Welcome to the Travel Therapy Mentor Podcast, your number one source for travel therapy information and education. Hosted by travel physical therapist duo Jared and Whitney. Join us each week on Facebook Live to learn about a new travel therapy topic or subscribe to our podcast to hear the replay every week. Hey guys. Hey everybody. Welcome to another Travel Therapy Mentor video. Tonight we're going to be talking about should you travel as an SLP during your CF year. This is something that um, some more people recently have been reaching out to us. We didn't know a ton about um, SLPs and their CF year, their clinical fellowships. So we reached out some some of our followers that are SLPs to ask their opinion on this because we've had new grads reach out to us asking if, if that's something that's possible. Um, a lot of the SLPs that are about to graduate or recently graduated see how good the travel therapy market is for SLPs. There's been some really high paying jobs and tons of opportunities across the country and they want to get into travel as soon as possible, which is understandable. Um, so we didn't really know exactly uh, how that would work or if that was a good idea. So we reached out to a bunch of SLPs. We got their feedback and we want to share that with you guys tonight. Uh, I'm going to get this video shared in a few different groups and Whitney's going to introduce us. All right. Hey, everybody. Thank you all for joining us. My name is Whitney Aiken. And I'm Jared Kazaza. And we are both traveling physical therapists. We've been travel PTs for about five years now, and we've been mentoring um, other uh, therapists that want to become travelers, which includes PTs, OTs, and SLPs um, for several years now. We run the website and the social media page, Travel Therapy Mentor. Um, so like Jared said, you know, even though we do mentor and educate um, on all varieties of travel, and a lot of the stuff that we educate about when it comes to housing and pay and all that kind of stuff applies across all the disciplines. Um, SLP is definitely one that we know the least about. So for this particular topic, we did reach out to some of our colleagues that are SLPs um, and kind of get their input and get their opinion. We did a little bit of research um, into the SLP um, clinical fellowship year um, on the ASHA website and that sort of thing. So we're going to try to bring you um, a synopsis tonight of all the different opinions that we got and just kind of talk about some of the considerations. If you are somebody who's considering um, doing uh, travel during your clinical fellowship year or soon after. Um, so if you are an SLP that is watching this, um, if you want to just weigh in and let us know your opinion on this, um, if you're a grad student or a current SLPCF, we, um, we'd love to hear from you as well. So in the past, we've done a lot of education and a lot of mentorship regarding whether um, new grads in general should do travel therapy um, during their first couple of years when they're considered a new grad. Which, I mean, whatever you want to consider a new grad could be anywhere from zero to, some people might even say, up to five years. Um, but definitely in the travel world, I, I would say your first year would be kind of the new grad status. But we do really recognize that it's very different for a PT or an OT new grad um, on their first year being out of school versus an SLPCF. Because as we've come to understand, um, this, isn't, this may not be exactly right, but it's kind of the way I understand it. It's almost like... Um, as PTs, you know, we go to school for three years and our third year is quite often primarily clinical internship year where we're still under a clinical um, instructor, a CI. Whereas the SLPs, they get to graduate school and then they get to go into their SLP CF year, but they're not fully licensed yet until they can actually complete their CF year, which means that during that first year, it's really important that they get the proper mentorship, the proper supervision, and meet all of these stringent requirements um, or else they might, they might not actually get their license. Whereas when you come out as a PT, you've already got your license. So what you do that first year is really um, a very individual decision. There's not this 
thing weighing over your head where you have to meet certain requirements. So I think that's a huge thing that makes it different um, than PTs. Yep. The other thing that makes it different than PTs um, and OTs is you're quite often, when you go into a facility as a new grad or an SLPCF, um, you're going to be the only SLP at the facility. Most places that we've ever worked, um, thinking about hospitals and SNFs and that sort of thing, it's almost always only one SLP. Every now and then you'll have a second one, but very often, especially as a traveler, you're going to go into a facility and you are going to be the only one of your specialty there. Whereas a new grad PT or OT, maybe, maybe not, uh, there might be another PT or OT on staff, but at least there might be an assistant or someone who's a little bit more familiar with what you do. Whereas from a strictly um, clinical skills perspective, if you're the only SLP in say a medical setting, no one else there knows about swallowing. You know, we don't know that kind of stuff. So there's no one else there to help you. And so one of our um, more tenured SLPs that we spoke to kind of, I think summed it up really well when she said, uh, you could be the only one in there on this lonely island all by yourself as an SLPCF, and in her um, decades of experience as an SLP, she, she felt like that wasn't the best environment. So just some considerations and some factors that are a little bit different than that of a new grad PT or an OT. Yeah, I actually don't think that I've ever been in a facility with more than one SLP in all of our travels, so definitely not that common. And uh, like Wendy was saying, you know, for a PT or new grad PT or new grad OT going in, even if you're the only one there, at least there's people in the other discipline that their job is pretty similar that you can ask. Um, whereas, you know, SLPs, a PT or an OT, they are PT or an OT in the facility can't help you that much except with maybe like the documentation. So there is a difference there for sure. Yeah. Um, before we get too far in this, uh, we have an announcement to make. We got to 8,000 followers on Instagram. So we're doing a giveaway. Um, so if you're watching this live or if you watch it before, when are we, Friday? Uh, Friday, yeah. July um, the 3rd. Yeah, before July the 3rd, we're going, giving away a $25 Amazon gift card. So check out Travel Therapy Mentor Instagram and our Facebook page. Yeah, um, so you can enter to win by liking the post and following us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and thank you for those that are tuning in live. We do appreciate it. If you are getting any value out of this video, whether you watch it now or later, um, please just give us a thumbs up and let us know that you watched. So there are some people that have traveled during their CF year. Um, we talked to some that have done it. Um, and even though it's not ideal, it really depends on the person. And this is the same kind of thing that we tell new grad PTs and OTs. People say, is it okay to travel as a new grad? And the answer is it depends. Um, it is not ever the same for two people. And a good example of that is I've talked to some new grads that were new grad PTs specifically that were very nervous and uh, did not feel very comfortable with their clinical skills. Whereas I've talked to some other PTs that were, were new grads that me three years out, I was like, man, they know way more than I do. So it, it varies so much. So it depends on you, your personality, how well you deal with change, those kind of things that we talk about with any new grad. Um, so let's get into some of the pros. I'll talk about some of the pros, but you'll talk about some of the cons of uh, traveling as during your CF year. So probably the reason a lot of people want to travel coming out of school is higher pay. And like I mentioned, we have a hot jobs list that we post jobs every week. And often a lot of those right now are SLP jobs because those are the most jobs available. And some of the pay rates are very high. Um, so people look at that and they think, okay, well, why would I take a job making 70 or 75,000 a year per minute when I could make over $100,000 a year as a traveler? And that's definitely a valid, valid um, thought. Um, yeah, higher pay is one of the biggest reasons that most people choose to travel. So 
Um, I think, you know, on the flip side of the argument, like I'm going to talk about the cons in just a minute. A lot of people would look at it as why wouldn't you just wait till after your CF year to start to travel? But some people, if they're looking at a lot of debt or they just really want to get started right away, that higher pay during your CF year could really mean a big difference for you. So I, I do know that there are people out there looking into this. We wouldn't be making this video if not, because yeah. obviously people have reached out to us. People are interested in it. Of course, the majority of your preceptors and your mentors are probably gonna say, no, don't do it. But there are people that are considering it. So we wanna talk about, like Jared said, the pros and the cons. Yeah, another thing is, like with a lot of PTs and OTs, you wanna see new places, you wanna experience new things, and not necessarily get stuck in a permanent job. Because we've talked to a lot of PTs, OTs, and SLPs that are permanent therapists that say, oh man, I wish I had traveled. I planned to travel. I was just gonna work for six months or a year and then travel and then I bought a house or then I got pregnant or I met my spouse or whatever. So some people want to avoid getting stuck into that, um, stuck into a permanent job, um, which I don't like to say stuck because it's not like all permanent jobs are bad, but some people have the desire to travel, but then they end up not ever traveling because they stay at a permanent job. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, definitely another thing. Another one is um, variety of experiences and settings. So this could potentially be uh, during your CF year, but if not, just as a traveler in general, you get to try out different settings. That's one of the big benefits for, uh, for me. I didn't know which setting I really wanted to work in. I thought I liked outpatient. I uh, worked in some other settings and I really enjoyed those as well. So getting the experience early on, being able to travel right out of school gives you more opportunity to travel and to try different settings and, and get different experiences at different locations. Yeah. So there's definitely some obvious pros to it, but there are some obvious cons. And honestly, when we asked a ton of SLPs, especially the more tenured ones, they were just like red flag, no way, absolutely not. So we'll kind of go over why they thought it wasn't a good idea to travel during your CF year. So the biggest thing was making sure that you get the required hours that you need to complete your CFY and the required supervision hours. So um, according to the ASHA website, um, the most up-to-date information that we could find and talking to some others, um, you know, the CF year has to be 36 weeks and a minimum of 1,260 hours of work. And that's the equivalent of roughly 35-hour work week times 36 weeks. Now within those, it looks like the bare minimum supervision requirement would be um, broken up into three 12-week segments. So during each 12-week segment, you need to get a minimum of six hours of direct supervision in person and a minimum of six hours non-direct. So that's 12 hours, 12 weeks times three, so more or less an hour a week over 36 weeks of supervision um, minimum, but ideally you could get a little bit more. So in some cases, it might be a little bit harder to ensure that you're going to get the proper supervision and the proper mentorship to complete um, your hours. And then we're going to get into talking about like settings that you might choose if you thought about traveling during your CF. Definitely if you chose to go into like standard 13-week contracts where you were hopping around to different places during your CF year, then it would really be hard to make sure you meet all of your um, hours for work completion and hours for supervision. Um, now, the second thing that's kind of could be a con is, well, maybe you can get the bare minimum, but can you get good quality mentorship? And I think this is a question that a lot of people have as new grads, regardless of whether they're um, PTs, OTs, or SLPs, because a lot of PTs and OTs still want some supervision and some um, mentorship as they kind of start their career, even though they don't have to by law, um, they want some mentorship and they say, is it possible to get mentorship? 
And it is, but it just depends. It's really going to depend on um, what facility you're able to find and what you're able to negotiate with your contract. So I think the consensus is you probably won't get as good of mentorship if you choose to do a travel job as if a perm job. But that's not always the case because honestly, um, one of one or two of the SLPs we spoke with said it's kind of a crapshoot if you go to a perm job too. Like you know, you go to the perm job and you expect I'm going to get my mentorship and I'm going to get my supervision. It's going to be the best experience ever. Well, not everybody gets put with the best mentor. Um, and in fact, one of the SLPs that we spoke to, um, who was a male SLP said that he, um, basically was independent all during his CF. He hardly ever saw his, um, clinical, um, su uh, supervisor and he did it in a perm job setting and he just was kind of sink or slim on his own. So that could happen realistically in a perm job or a travel job. It's yeah. just that it may be more likely that, um, say, if you could interview in person and do something locally, you might be able to set something up easier than in a travel job. Yeah, and that's very similar to how it is with PTs um, coming out of school. A lot of when we present to students, the very common question is, well, what about mentorship? And our answer to that always is, well, what kind of mentorship do you expect to get in a permanent job? Because there are some places that are really great and they will have meetings with the therapist for a couple hours per week, um, go over notes, go over treatments, give you treatment ideas, those kind of things. But there's also clinics that say they have mentorship and all that is is that there's another therapist there that you can ask questions to. So there's a giant difference between a clinic where there's just someone there that you can talk to and, some, and a clinic where they're actively going out of their way to try to make you a better clinician. Yeah. So that could be a potential setback of doing a travel contract is whether or not you can get good quality mentorship. Another potential con of doing a travel contract during your CF year um, is that sometimes as a traveler, you're expected to hit the ground running. So depending on which contract you were able to set up, they might not be as willing to give you a ramp up time and kind of give you um, that amount of uh, training that you need as a new grad, as a CF. Um, so you might be able to expect to just to hit the ground running and be independent and it might not really be a good experience as a CF. Um, another thing that I thought was a really good point, um, a lot of the SLPs that we talked to, the, the older, more experienced ones were saying, you know, especially if you went into a medical setting um, during your CF and didn't have good mentorship, you could really kill someone. Um, now, I guess in certain instances as a PT or an OT, you know, you could let somebody fall, you could make a mistake, somebody could die. But realistically, as an SLP, if you make the wrong recommendation in regards to swallowing, um, you really could cause someone to aspirate and you, they really could die. So if, you're, if you go into something and you don't have good mentorship and you're just winging it, um, especially if you went into like your CF year and were in a bad clinical environment as a traveler, it could be dangerous. Um, and potentially bad for the health of your patients and your license. So something to consider if you didn't find a setting that had good mentorship. Um, another con, so I kind of alluded to this, potentially if you tried to go and do your CF and jump around and do like a 13-week contract, a 13-week contract, a 13-week contract to, to line up your CF year, um, it could be really disruptive to your learning. Um, it could also be difficult to be able to find different mentors um, to make sure that you're going to meet all your supervision. So that would be a really crappy way to do your CF year would be to have it broken up into three different contracts. Ideally, you'd have it be one contract. Um, and again, it would be difficult to meet the requirements. And then I think the other big sentiment that we heard from current travel SLPs is that sometimes traveling can just be stressful. And we, we know this. We talk about this in all of our videos. Some, you know, you have to adapt to new environments. Um, you have to adapt to a new 
clinical staff. Um, sometimes you're expected to hit the ground running. Um, sometimes your contract gets canceled. You have to deal with housing issues and all this stuff. And a lot of the SLPs we talked to just thought that's not worth it to deal with during your CF year. You know, you're already trying to learn and grow as a clinician. Why add on top of it all the extra headaches? Um, and then they also mentioned, you know, just not having your support system around. So those are definitely some potential setbacks of doing um, a travel gig during your CF. And those are some of the cons that you should consider. Yeah, and I think almost everyone that we talked to had some reservations. No one was like, oh yeah, do it. Everyone was like, well, maybe, but these things. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think it's kind of the same way with PT and OT as well. If, if you ask a bunch of experienced clinicians if they'd recommend traveling right off the bat, almost all of them say no, unless they were a traveler that had a good experience because they say, no, just you know, get your bearings as a clinician first and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, again, if you want to do this, there's some considerations um, to take into account. So one, again, is the type of person that you are. So you wanna make sure that if you're gonna travel during your CF year, that you feel pretty independent and that you can be um, adaptable and self-directed and those types of traits. Um, you need some kind of support as well. So, you know, obviously you have your, your uh, supervisor there that will help you, but, um, you know, being able to reach out to old uh, professors, classmates, those kind of things for recommendations are always a good thing. So a support system I think is very important. Yeah. Um, another thing is to just do your research on travel therapy. So obviously all these videos we make, we are trying to make sure people have the very best experience that they can. We made a lot of mistakes in the beginning. We know that uh, we've met travelers that have had terrible experiences. Permanent therapists that had terrible experience with the travel, they say travel's awful. And it's just because they didn't do their research and they didn't understand. That's obviously... Not always the case. You can do your research and still have a bad experience, but it significantly decreases your chances if you go into it with the, uh, you know, the right knowledge and being able to ask the right questions of the clinic, of the recruiter, about the company, all of these things make a huge difference. Um, having some knowledge on finding housing, on making the trip to and from assignments, all of those things are really important. So the more you can have nailed down outside of the clinic, the better experience you'll probably have inside the clinic. Yeah, I think this is super important. So one of the SLPs that we talked to who's a current traveler um, who has had maybe, I don't know, almost a decade of experience, she said that something she felt was really important is understanding what she called the business side of travel therapy. And that's kind of, if you are new to travel therapy, go back and watch some of our old videos, go back and read some of our articles. That's what we're here to educate about. Um, you know, we're not here to educate you about your clinical skills. That's something that you learned in school. That's something hopefully your mentor, either virtual or in person can help you with. But if you are a student, if you're a grad student SLP right now, or if you're, um, if you're not an SLP and you're watching this as a new grad PT or OT and you're still in school, we highly encourage you while you're in school to on the side, read up on some of our articles, watch some of our videos, start educating yourselves about the ins and outs of like the logistics of travel therapy so that you can at least check that box and know, okay, I feel confident about that part of it going in. Now I can really focus more on my clinical skills and that sort of thing when I get there. So super important for any new grad or any therapist really going, but especially um, a new grad. Um, the other thing that's really important as far as consideration is you have to know that if you're an SLP student um, and about to be a CF who decides to go into travel therapy during your clinical fellowship, it's your responsibility to make sure that you um, find a clinic and find a job that is going to allow you to meet your requirements. So you really want to make sure, because it's your license that's on the line, of course the recruiters and the travel companies can sell you on anything, oh it's going to be great, you're going to be fine, we'll have mentorship, it's going to be fine. 
but you really need to make sure that one, the travel therapy company that you're working with is pretty knowledgeable in working with CFs, that they have a good mentorship um, in place. In addition to your um, mentorship at the assignment, you really wanna ask the right questions of the facility, of your potential supervisor, um, to make sure that you're gonna be able to check those boxes that Ashley needs you to check. Get your number of clinical um, hours, get your number of supervisory hours, and really have the best experience. So that's on you to make sure you do that if this is really what you wanna do. Yeah, I, I remember reading maybe a year ago, someone in one of the groups that we're in was talking about how they had an experience where everything seemed to go well during the fellowship itself. And then like a year later, they got audited um, and there was a bunch of issue trying to get the supervising SLP that was there, that was no longer there to sign off that, that they were really supervising them. And so you have to make sure that you uh, dot all your I's and cross your T's if that's something you want to do. I even saw on the ASHA website that it's the responsibility of the clinical fellow to make sure that the, um, that the supervisor meets the requirements to supervise you. Like to make sure that their, I don't know if it was their certification or whatever was up to date. Like instead of just asking them like, is your, is your certification up to date? Like make them show you or something. So you really want to make sure that you line up everything perfectly. Um, and as we always say, like you could look into a travel contract, ask some of these questions. And if you don't find a good tra travel contract that seems to line up with what you need, then fall back on a permanent job. But it doesn't hurt to look into some travel jobs and see what's out there and what they have to offer um, for a clinical fellow. Um, the next part, you want to talk a little bit about what setting seemed to be the best? Yeah, uh, I think overwhelmingly current SLPs recommended to, if you were going to travel um, during your CF year to do it in a school. And the reason for that is school contracts are almost always full year contracts. So they start in August or September and they end in uh, May or Even June. Nine months. Yeah, so that's pretty much exactly what you need for your clinical fellowship um, hours anyway. So that is kind of the perfect setting because otherwise you're trying to either extend a contract in like a skilled nursing or a hospital setting and either extend a contract or find another one that fits right up with your end date so that you know you don't have these big gaps and it takes you forever. So a school seems to be probably the best way to do that. And um, you know, there's some leniency there of course if school is not something that you're interested in at all. Yeah, that's a big question that I had because I, I, um, I spoke with a couple SLPs and I also spoke with some folks that work with SLPs on the mentorship side at one of the travel companies and I said, well, for physical therapists, it would be completely different if I wanted to do skilled nursing or I wanted to do outpatient in my career and then to tell me to take my first year of jobs in a school, I'd be like, why? That would be a waste of a year. Um, but I do think there's some overlap there. Um, it seems a little bit more with SLP with the speech side of things. Now, of course, if you plan to strictly be a medical SLP, it may not be the right choice for you to do your first year in a school. But I know that one of the SLPs, um, our friend Catherine, who actually wrote a guest post for us on this topic, she says that she's really enjoyed hopping around and doing a little bit of medical and a little bit of school. So one thing that was really uplifting is one of the travel therapy companies that we um, talked to that we work with that has a good mentorship program for CFs, they said that even if you go into a school um, during your first year as a travel therapist um, in a school for the nine-month contract, they will also support you on the um, continuing education side where they'll actually allow you to get some of those certifications and um, continuing education for more medical type skills and try to keep that knowledge and skills up so that when you get done with your nine months, you could still go into a medical um, contract. And then something else I learned 
um, from some of the SLPs we talked to is quite often, even in a perm setting, it can be difficult to secure a CF, um, especially in acute care. Um, I think it probably a little easier in SNF, but some of the acute cares don't even allow time. Um, and if any SLPs are watching this, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I heard from one SLP is sometimes even as a perm therapist, it can be hard to get your foot in the door as a CF for acute care. So a lot of people end up switching, um, switching settings later after their CF anyway. But overwhelmingly, the consensus was it's probably best to do your CF at a school if you plan to do a travel contract, because at least it's kind of the same. It would be kind of the same as doing a perm school contract for a whole year. You'd have the same supervisor for the whole year. You'd have a lot more consistency um, and a lot less of those cons that we talked about earlier. Yeah, if you can find a school contract that fits you well, that's you know seems to be pretty good, like not one of those contracts where they have... Uh, there's a, like a big reason why they're having travelers come in and out, but you know, every now and then someone leaves and they just need someone to fill in for a year. Um, yeah, it would be very similar to just taking a permanent job at your, at, for your CF year and you'd make a lot more money. So that seems like probably the best way to go. Yeah, if you could somehow find like a skilled nursing facility or an outpatient that was willing to take you on for a full 36 weeks as a traveler, that would be great too. As of now, from what we understand, that isn't common to see, but like I said, one of the travel therapy companies that we work with that has a strong clinical fellow um, mentorship program, they said they're really pushing some of the facilities to try to get them to take a CF for a whole 36 weeks. So stay tuned for that, because that would be really great, and I think that would open up a lot of opportunities um, for SLP grad students that want to get into travel their first year. But as of now, it seems like school is probably your best bet. Yep. Whether you guys are watching live or on the replay, if you have any questions, feel free to ask. We always go back to these videos and answer questions later, and we'll also answer questions at the end of the video if we, if we get any during the video. Yep. So speaking of questions, the next thing we want to talk about is if you decide that this is the route that you want to go, you know, you're you're like, I'm really independent, I feel good about it, I want to travel, I'm going to do this thing. Because we had somebody reach out to us just the other day that was like, not asking for advice on whether they should travel. They just said like, I'm going hey, to. I'm going to what travel. <laughs> what companies do you recommend or what do you recommend? Yada, yada. So um, if you are planning on doing this at, during your CF year, um, we gathered a list of questions um, from some of our SLP friends and they recommended you ask these to your facility, uh, potential facility, your recruiter and your recruiting company and your potential mentor for a job that you would, you would take. Um, so they said it's really important not only to try to just talk to the facility, but actually ask the person who's interviewing you, can I talk to the person who's going to be my mentor or my supervisor? Because that might be a completely different person than the director of rehab. Yeah, one big thing you need to know, is it going to be on-site supervision or is it going to be virtual supervision? So we heard both of those are possibilities. So it could be like a Zoom call meeting where you go over any issues you have with a supervisor. Or it could be somewhere, you know, you meet up, they come to the school that you're at or the facility that you're at and you go over any questions that you have. So depending on your situation, that may be a deal breaker if it's a virtual uh, meeting instead of a in-site um, or on-site supervisor. And some of your um, mentorship has to be on-site. So it's just, uh, or in-person. So it just depends on whether the person actually works there full-time, like is gonna be there all the time or they're just gonna come over one day a week or, or whatever it is. Um, I think that would make a big difference on if they're gonna be there all day, every day in the same facility or they're just like in the, say if it was a school, like in a nearby school where they can come over sometimes. So that's a big question to ask. Another thing is to ask how much time is allotted to supervision per week? Uh, is it gonna be, you know, an hour or two hours? How many hours per week are you gonna be meeting with the supervisor to ask questions if you need to? 
Yeah, is that something that's built into your productivity? Is it something that's built into your supervisor's productivity? Because um, a lot of people we talked to who had been supervisors before and acted as mentors before were like, you know, we're stretched really thin. We're clinicians too, and we have to meet our productivity, and now you also want us to take time to mentor um, a CF. So it's important to just kind of get a feel for how much um, time is allotted for you and allotted for them. Yeah, another question to ask is about, and this is for all therapists, um, but especially for, for people during the clinical fellowship, how much ramp up time or orientation time do you get? And you probably want to go with a facility that will give you a little bit more, uh, if you're a brand new therapist, a little bit more um, orientation so that you're not just thrown right in and expected to go full speed. And uh, you might think that that doesn't happen, but it definitely does happen. So ask those questions, make sure you're gonna have some sort of ramp up period um, before you accept the job. Yeah, I think it'd be really important to know as well, um, has the facility hosted a CF before and has your um, potential mentor hosted a CF before? So you know, find out if this is their first time doing this sort of thing or if they're pretty experienced with it. And I think the same goes for your travel company and your recruiter, ask if they've, um, staffed CFs before if they have some experience with that and again some of these um, travel companies are better than others with that some of them will actually have like a dedicated mentor program um, because I I'll tell you right now like the SLP job market like Jared said earlier is super strong it's even stronger than PT and OT right now so a lot of these recruiters really want to get your business they, they want to staff you or place you but that doesn't mean that they're the best recruiter for you. That doesn't mean that they're the most experienced and they're gonna have your back when you run into issues. So it's important to ask those questions of the recruiter, the facility, and the potential Yeah, mentor. that's a very good point. Sometimes the recruiters that are most coming after you, trying to get you to work with them, are not the best recruiters. That's often the case in our experience. Yeah. Um, so another thing you wanna ask is how much time you have for preparation and for paperwork. Because as a new grad, chances are you're gonna be a little slower than experienced clinicians. So you wanna make sure that you have some sort of time in your schedule for those things so that you're not, you know, we talked about before, you're not working off the clock for hours each week. You wanna make sure that there's, there's adequate time to get those things done. Um, and then the last little thing would be just, you know, if you get that opportunity to hopefully speak on your potential, uh, speak to your potential mentor and supervisor on the phone, um, ask them a little bit about their philosophy. You know, what was their CF experience like? How do they mentor? Are they more hands-on? Are they more hands-off? Um, just kind of get a feel for them if it's going to be a good match for you because from what I understand and from what we learned from our colleagues that are SLPs, this can be a really pivotal year for you um, beginning your career. You know, it's kind of the very last little bit of your education and your mentorship and your growth as a clinician. So you want to make sure that if you're going to be with this um, person for like a whole nine months of your um, clinical fellowship year that you mesh well that they're going to provide you the mentorship that you're seeking um, and make sure it's going to be a good fit for you because that's going to make a big difference as you begin your career yep um, I also want to point out you know these are just a few of the questions we did have our friend um, and fellow traveler Catherine who is an SLP write a guest post and that you can find that on our website at traveltherapymentor.com um, so it'd be really good if you read that guest post because it, it was from um, the, the, not the mouth, but the typing of an SLP. She wrote it herself from her perspective, from her experience, having worked perm jobs and travel jobs. So she really lays out in detail a lot of good questions to ask and a lot of good things to work, uh, look for. Should definitely go and read that article if this is something you're considering if you're an SLP grad student or CF who's thinking about um, doing travel during your clinical fellowship year. On the website, we also have an article that's more general for all therapists about questions that you, sh that you should ask a recruiter about the recruiter themselves and their company, as well as questions that you should ask the person that you're interviewing with for different jobs. So um, I don't remember what article that's in, but 
on the website if you search for questions or questions to ask or something like that. It's probably under the getting started section yeah. on our website. So if you're watching live, if you have any questions um, that you want to ask us in the comments or if you have any feedback, especially if you're um, an experienced SLP or someone who's done this before, we'd love to hear from you. Um, or even if you're watching later um, on the replay, please feel free to leave us a comment. Again, if you got any value out of this video, please like it. If you are somebody who's thinking about jumping into travel therapy, whether you're an SLP, CF, a student, um, or anybody else, please feel free to reach out to us. We'd be happy to help educate you and mentor you through the process. And we'd also be happy to help you um, get set up with any of our travel therapy recruiters. We can give you some recommendations for ones that we think that would work well for your situation. And as it pertains to this video, we would try to recommend some good ones that are experienced with working with SLP, CFs. And if you're listening to this later on the podcast, please subscribe. So a big announcement, I guess. We got the podcast up and running. We got the first nine uh, episodes up. So Travel Therapy Mentor podcast, check that out as well. Yeah, you should be able to find that on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, most places that you can find podcasts. Um, and again, we are uploading these videos each week to the podcast version and the YouTube version. In case you're not a Facebook watcher, um, you can find us on different platforms now. So we did have um, one comment here. Brianna says, a friend and I just completed our CFs in schools as travelers. She said it was fine and we just got our CCCs. Supervision was great and it really depends on the agency. Yeah, for sure. Make sure that you have a, a company that is familiar with um, SLPs during their clinical fellowship years um, and you have a recruiter that's understanding and a good recruiter in general. Yeah, Brianna, I'm glad you hear that. And you're not the first person who said that. We've definitely talked to some CFs, um, some SLPs that had a good experience uh, as travelers during their CF year. Um, so it just really depends on the situation, the individual, and the contract that you get. Yep. Uh, Francesca says, so happy to hear about this topic tonight. I'm a second year SLP grad student. Thank you for researching on this. Yep. Awesome. Thanks for watching. Thank you, Francesca. We All are right. glad to bring you some content. We've never really done any um, SLP specific content in the past because, you know, we're PTs and so we definitely aren't super up to date on all the SLP stuff. We felt like it was a really important topic to cover for our audience, which is why we kind of researched it and got insight from a bunch of different clinicians. Yeah, we're doing our best now to branch out a little bit more outside of our comfort zone um, and research some topics that we're not as familiar with that we get a lot of questions on. So mm -hmm. if you guys have any, any questions that you want us to make a video about, let us know. Um, we're always looking for ideas. Awesome. Well, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Um, again, if you could just like this video, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to us on all of our social media platforms, we would appreciate it. Um, and we will see you next week. Yep. Take care. Bye.